you know, it had that kind of rubbery Ooh, material like on stuff. it. So you get like that the artificial. Yeah. Yeah. You get that kind of boing out of it, you know, you feel better running right? and on then that the, stuff. Like I, I don't know if you, you yeah, it yeah. Go, but yeah. it feels nice running on it. I'm actually going to go, I think, and give it, give it a run. Um, oh, yeah. Get a little screen but, back in your step, you know? Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, welcome to One With Thought with Kieran and Vijay. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be dissecting yet another With Thought. And uh, this one uh, is proposed by me. And we're going to be exploring this notion of pronatalism. Yeah, Vijay, I, pro- I feel like sometimes you veer into very dystopian territory and pronatalism seems right up your alley in that way. But like, I found myself confused about what the pronatal movement is all about. I, I really haven't, yes. I haven't experienced or read much about them. Yeah, I'd only uh, heard of them recently. I read an article somewhere. If I was better at these things, I, I would be able to tell you where. Um, and the gist of it is there's a set of folks who seem to be, you know, fiscally very successful, who feel it's extremely noble. The the art, uh, the act of having children is this extremely noble thing to do. And they feel that by them giving mankind their offspring that they've done something to further humanity. This sounds uh, very similar to, it sounds a lot like eugenics in the turning of the ni- 1900s. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Century. As you'll see, we'll get uncomfortable real fast. Uh, uh, this is super uncomfortable. So, um, Just as you explain that in yeah. two sentences, do they really believe this? Yeah. They're, they're really bought in and, and like they kind of, there's some performance art facets, at least to the article that I read and the imagery that I saw, yeah. where these people try and like kind of act like they're kind of like minor royalty. Actually, yeah, like they've got that. Can vibe I give going. them the benefit of doubt and say like, do they believe that having kids is a noble endeavor for everyone? Like they think everyone should have uh, kids. So the way they position it is, they believe everybody should have kids. Okay, that's not bad. When you, which sounds very reasonable, reasonable. right? But then when you read between the lines. Really what's going on is they're worried that there's not going to be enough headcount to serve their needs. Oh, so, so it's not, eugenics. So th- it's not like only the strong gene pool needs to propagate. They, they want everyone to have kids. They want every Yes. But the kids that they produce will be super. I see. Right. And, and, you know, they, have kind of carefully matched themselves based on their genetics and their accomplishments. Yikes. It's like an arranged marriage, really. Yikes. Right. And so, um, yeah. so it's, it's eugenics adjacent. It's adjacent. You know, yeah. It's uh, not full blown right? eugenics, but I just feel like the, the thesis that rich people or well off people have strong offspring has kind of been, uh, overthrown over the years, right? Like, it does seem like I'm more into the whole, uh, you know, difficult situations breed strong people, strong people breed easy situations, yeah. and then easy situations call for weaker people. Like, that's, it feels yeah. like we go through this, these like ups and downs, right? I, I don't think they've thought it all the way through. Yeah. Right. And so, where I think that they're smarter than previous 
uh, eugenics, uh, kind of like the original eugenics, is eugenics before was about breeding a super race, right? And really to be left with just the super race, right? And, and annihilate everybody else. Yeah. Uh, was my take on it. Whereas here, it feels like what they're doing is they are saying, we're still going to breed our super race, but let's not lose sight of the fact that we need everybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're worried about a global population collapse. Right. They look at declining birth rates. Right. And they see a problem. Right. And so they see humanity going extinct. I see. Right. Is, is what they see. Right. And so the noble side of what they're doing is they don't want humanity to go, ex- to go extinct. Right. Which is, which is nice. Right. But. Of course. Right. In exchange for that, I feel like they want to get to back to the good old days of stronger classism. But Vijay, from my reading of your Substack, it didn't yeah. seem like it, it didn't seem like you were full court rejecting the, the, you know, the natal ideas, the pro-natal movement. It seemed like you were well, kind of leaning into it. Karen, you know, um, as is often the case on, on the one with thought podcast, we're often left just feeling a little uncomfortable at the end of the discussion. And when you see my proposal here for how we could improve pronatalism, you know, I think you're left fairly disgusted yet moderately intrigued and going, you know, maybe this is not a bad idea, but it sure feels bad. Um, yeah, I feel dirty, but I don't know why that's, Yes, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Which is, you know, like I say, been the case multiple times. Um, I, I would say this with this one, you definitely feel filthy, but you're also like less sure about why. Like, for example, like when we did the, um, when we, when we did the, uh, indentured servitude 2.0, you know, the kind of the happy helper podcast. We were very clear on that one. It was horrible, right? There, there, there wasn't any debating that one. Yeah, it was horrible. This and one it was plausible, which is even scarier. yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so this one, it's plausible, horrible, but yeah, at least I wasn't sure why. Okay, so, so like, how how do you change the pronatal movement meaningfully with yours? Like, kind of pitch yeah, this to yeah. me because I'm. I'm confused because from your from the reading, it seemed not different enough, Vijay. Ah, <laughs> well, I so I think that um, one of the things that is really offensive about the pro-natal movement is that it's very elitist, right? And they only want they they want to make sure that uh, the downtrodden stay downtrodden. And that there's lots of downtrodden to be downtrodden, right? And so, um, whereas my proposal is is different. It's look, we've got a problem, right? Which is we're an aging society, and um, we need headcount to kind of prop us up, right? And by the same token, right? You know, we're, we're taking up a lot of space on Earth right now, and so therefore with subsequent generations of humans, we need to get more out of them. We need them to be that much more productive, right? Kind of per capita, right? I guess what we are looking for is a, is a, an increase in uh, GDP, 
per capita GDP, I guess. Right. And so, um, so how do we do that? Well, we need smarter people. Right. And so then the question becomes, well, how do you get smart people? And it feels like everything we've tried has kind of failed, right? Like, you know, we try all these experiments with education and nothing really works, right? Nothing, you know, in the big scheme of things, you know, it's not really getting any better. In fact, if you think about the, the last time there was a significant uptick in the overall smartness of, of, of at least the United States was following the GI Bill, right? Where all of a sudden, you had a bunch of um, uh, former servicemen, right, vets, who now had access to higher education, right? So you you had an uptick in the overall smartness of the country, and the country really benefited from that, right? So now the question is, well, what can we do here to um, to motivate our um, subsequent generations? And, you know, as I said in the Substack article, it turned out that the answer was kind of staring me in the face. And it was like, it's, it's the immigrant model, right? Uh, right. Kind of oh, yeah. immigrants are really our own experiences. Yeah. yeah. Like immigrants are really good at being financially, at least successful, right. Um, athletically, not so much, right. But financially really, really successful. And I think one of the things that immigrants, and I'm kind of more focused on, on the, uh, Asian and African diaspora. I've seen a lot of success, uh, coming out of places like Nigeria as well. Right. And so I, one of the things that you see is this recognition of the power of education, right? Uh, the ability for education to, to change lives. And what I found really interesting was that realization wasn't just held within the educated classes in and in specifically India, but also uh, working class folk like who who emigrated in, in, in like in my case to to the UK. Like there were plenty of people who who we knew, like my my dad's friends, right? Like who didn't you know have the uh, privilege of getting university education, but somehow they knew the power of it. But can I and they knew one the, point about yeah. this? Because I, I think you're right that you know all these immigrants value university educations, but I worry mm. about over-indexing on that because a lot of us are former British colonies, VJ, right? Like Nigeria, former right. British colony; India, former British yeah. colony. The only way we got jobs back in the day, and our grandparents or you know our great grandparents, they would have seen this: is you had to go get an education. And only then did right. the British hire you to do some of their like well-paid jobs. And I'm a bit worried that we're over-indexing on that model, whereas the current day model is separating from that. Um, some of the people who have been the wealthiest, uh, you know, it seems like you can get by with a college degree that you know maybe doesn't mean much. Maybe you didn't finish the college degree, mm. but. Mm. If your family had resources, you could potentially launch right. multiple businesses, and one of sure. them might hit. So the model for making it and the model for success may no longer be the same as it used to be. Uh, uh, so, well, see, I, I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. Look, I think you know, rich people having access to capital and opportunity doesn't go away. 
right? But education provides opportunity to those who don't have access to those other things necessarily, right? And so, um, yeah. And and so dude, the rich people need like skilled workers to man the yeah, man the yeah. computers. I don't know. Yeah. Billy. Right. Exactly. Right. They need accountants. People like lawyers. Us. They need lawyers. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I know. Like they need prompt engineers is really what they need. Right. So, um, so, um, uh, so, so the, the premise is that the, we have this model, right. You know, when you look at the influx of folks coming into the country, um, right. We, we have this model for success and there's some lovely graphs in there, uh, kind of supporting my point, right. Uh, uh, people from China, India who moved to the U S make a lot of money. They make much more money than your average MAGA support. My God, if they find out, travesty, this could be bad. Yeah. This could be bad. Right. And so, um, so then the question becomes, well, what, what should we be doing? Like, how do we, how do we shift things for mainstream America? Right. And, I think what's missing for mainstream America, I really noticed this when I, when I lived in Sacramento and I, I noticed a real difference when I moved here to Seattle was when I lived in Sacramento, like I lived in a, you know, neighborhood very much similar to the one I live in today, right. In, in Seattle. Um, but people were focused on different things and they were really focused on sports. And there was, you know, like 10 to 15 hours per week being dedicated to sports. Right. And that time could have been spent doing other things. Right. More uh, things that were going to more money, more, more likely, yeah, more, more likely to yield good results. Correct. Right. I see. Right. Like, um, remember, uh, do you ever hear that Chris Rock, uh, piece where he was talking about the neighborhood they lived in with Beyonce and, and, uh, I, I think Jay Z lived in the same neighborhood as yeah, well. He was just a dentist. And it was like, yeah. And it, yeah, yeah. His neighbor was a dentist. Right. And so, and I look at that, I think it's just really, that says a lot, right. Um, that says a lot, yeah. you know? And so, so the question is that how do we motivate everybody? Well, we have to make it really important, uh, to the most influential person, people in these children's lives. And that's their parents, right? Their parents, at least for a period of time, have the ability to really influence, uh, their kids and, and set them on a, on a productive path. Yeah. Right. Um, we, we have parents like who had expectations of us. Right. And, um, right. And the very clear expectations. Right. And, uh, they were determined, right. That, uh, that we achieve some, you know, some level of kind of financial success. Right. Um, and so it was their motivation that at least was the catalyst, uh, for our success. Right. And so if we can somehow find that same incentive, we can persuade parents that they need to think about these things as well for their children. Right. Then we could be onto something. But then how are you convincing parents to have more children? Right. Like you would almost want to focus your energy on a few kids rather than have like eight yeah, kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't want them to have more kids. I want them to make sure the kids they have are, uh, contributing very, very effectively to society right. in an economic kind of way. I, I see. I right. See. 
right? So because I don't want I don't want a population explosion. I just want to maintain, right? So you know you should replace yourself and um, uh, replace yourself with people who are at least as productive uh, as you were, if not more. So this now begs the question: How? Right. Well, many years ago, I used to. Um, I used to know a guy who was involved in an education think tank and that think tank would run experiments, right? And they were always looking for how do we create successful educational outcomes? And one of the experiments that they ran that was uh, very successful was giving parents of low-income kids money uh, for success of their kids. So, you know, if their kids got, you know, bees or better, these parents reap to reward uh, at the end of the semester or at the end of the school year. Oh, immediately. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was incredibly successful. And the reason why, and, and it was incredibly cost-effective. Yeah, yeah. Right? Be, right. Um, I, I remember um, when I was uh, in Sacramento, um, I was one of those angry parents at the school meeting uh, because the school was getting ready to invest in microphones for the teachers so the kids could hear the oh, teachers geez. more clearly. Really? So the class and size it was going to cost. Huge. No, the class, that's the stupid thing. The class size was a normal class size. It was only like 25, 30 kids. So why you would need a microphone was beyond me. Well, it turned out the reason why you needed a microphone was because the superintendent's friend was going to conduct a study for a nominal $20,000 to prove how valuable these microphones were in the classroom. That is insane. Right. So, so, you know, at that point, right, they're spending a lot of money per head, right. Per kid. And really, I think you'd be hard pressed to find the results. Right. Um, Yeah. I don't see a microphone do anything. Right. Whereas conversely, right. You put a little bit of money into low, low income parents, hands, it makes a really meaningful difference to them. Like they need money. And so they're going to do everything they can to make sure their kid is successful. And that's the missing piece, right? That's the missing piece. So you think the missing piece is paying people to go to, so that their kids can go to school immediately. And then you're saying, but then I guess, are you making a leap saying, now by cutting school funding, because some money has to go to the parents, are we getting better oh. results? Oh, oh watch, watch me solve this now. Ready? Okay. So, so now, um, and this is where it gets difficult, I think. Right. And I think this is where my argument is vulnerable. Right. What I want to do is delay the payoff. I, I don't want you just to get, you know, your kid through first grade. Right. I want your kid to get at least through high school, ideally through college and maybe through some sort of advanced degree. Right. Now, as your kid starts earning, the more your kid earns, the more you get in social security. Interesting. Have, have you not just reinvented social security in a more you're basically taking social security back to how it was before social security in that if you've got productive kids who are willing to take care of you, 
you're all good. Otherwise, there are a lot of old people on the streets, I'm told, in the 40s or something, right? 30s or 40s. Right, right. And they created social security and they basically they broadened the risk of having shitty kids. Because like, you can do everything right, dude. Yeah. But yeah. your kids might not well, want to well, take so, care so, of you. So, so, well, with my model, with my model, I'm not dependent... I'm not building you, I'm not building a system that generates nice kids. Yeah. Right. I'm building a system that uh, generates economically successful kids. Right? So those kids, right, because they're earning more, we'll be contributing more to the tax base. But right. How, and we have to appeal from that. How convinced are you that the problem is that we didn't have, um, that we didn't have productive kids versus we didn't have nice kids before social security? Oh, 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 well, you could solve the, you could, well, I, I think you could have nice kids in difficult economic circumstances who would look after their parents to the best of their ability. Yeah. And those parents' lives would still be difficult, right? Um, exactly. I, I think you could switch things around and still have problems, right? Like just because the government's given me enough money so I don't starve to death and don't freeze to death doesn't necessarily mean that you know, my overall happiness is great. Yeah. Right. But I'm not starving and I'm not on the street. You're saying, switch right? it up and, by saying, okay, you have successful kids, but shitty kids that don't want to take care of you. Yeah. And, and, I, and I say financially, right. That's less bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right? I'd be sad. I, I, I'd be sad. Because sure. your, your kids aren't going to be any shittier because of this, right? They might be because now instead of following their dreams, you've kind of pushed them into a life of economic productivity, right? Because yeah. immigrant parents, you know, probably, I, I don't have any data to back this up, Vijay, but I think we probably have a higher rate of estrangement <laughs> between parents and kids. I have zero data other than anecdotes, but it does seem like mm. it's hard because the immigrant parents have a set of values, right? And then they meet the American set of values, which is, you know, viscerally different. And when, when yeah, that happens, yeah. you know, things get broken. Um, kids either, you know, feel they need to adopt American values or they try and make both things work and it, you know, sometimes breaks down. Um, and now it feels like you're trying to graft on immigrant values into the American tax code, which... I don't know if, or into social security, which, you know, I don't, I don't even know if America's <laughs> like that. Dude. Well, but, but do you think, so here's a question for you. Do you think that what I'm proposing is, do you think Republicans would get behind it or would they be anti it? I mean, I think you could probably talk about some good solid pretty large social security cut in the first year. If you, if we get this through, right. So maybe the Republicans will be behind it. And they're all about strong families or something, right? So maybe they right, exactly, right. We're producing strong families, uh, and we're producing, we're producing at least economically productive citizens. Uh, here's my argument for strong families, right? Why it's a strong families thing. If your kids home all the time, studying their asses off, yeah. that means that they're not on the street, uh, being like a unstrong family. True, but like. Don't you know of guys who are, don't you know people who are just, you know, they try their best at studying 
they just it's just not their thing though like sure yeah now we're forcing them to study and then we're we're giving their parents retirement we're like basing their retirement savings on their kid performing in exams it just feels like a pressure cooker type situation for <laughs> i maybe what happens is like you know you, you have your kid you watch them stacking the blocks and you're like wow this one this one's just not going to get it done it's time for plan b yeah right so then you you then you get very entrepreneurial yourself because you recognize that you can't depend on this one right and so um so therefore uh right you know immediately that you it's important for you to take action hear me out vj i i actually think i have a way of modifying this idea Okay. So I've been watching a lot of basketball games recently and really? I think yeah, I have. And it seems like the US has legalized sports betting, right? It has. Now, I don't think we should wait till social security time to pay these kids, right? I, I think oh. they should get paid immediately. And I think you get the funds from sports betting on the kids exams. Yeah, Karen, I, I, I kind of like. You see where I'm going with that? And you thought I, you thought I made this icky. <laughs> <laughs> you see the I, kids I all add rolled up. A, you know, like those kids fighting arenas that you see in like dystopian, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah medieval yeah. shows. Yeah, I think I saw one in Thrones recently. But I'm thinking like parents are in the stands, the kids are writing exams down below. Everyone's kind of watching intently and just like placing bets. Uh, and then, you know, the kids get some percentage of the spread, right? And the winning kid gets, and I, I actually think you want to make it like a little unequal. The winning kids of the exams, their parents gets a kick, they, they get a kickback. Everyone gets paid. Oh, it's kind of, it's kind of exciting. Like I, I actually really like your idea. Yeah. I think I like your idea better than mine because it's more fun yeah. for, for those, for those of us doing the best. Kids will get sponsorships. Right, so- taking these exams yeah. like it could be yeah, yeah. nationwide right. this one's this one is sponsored by uh you know montessori right uh and uh you know you can imagine like you know they get the big shoe deal yeah right like they get their they get their contracts free free crayons you know, to go, from crayola for life because they yeah, really good yeah. in the second grade oh the coloring world championship would be worth seeing world. wouldn't it like the the spelling bee is right. is nice and all right. I just don't think it's actually pre- it's pretty exciting, it's exciting stuff. But I just don't think we yeah. take it seriously. Like it should be the spelling bee. Yeah, yeah. But for every subject, yes. Um, for every subject, and then sport betting is allowed, right? I I don't. Yeah, yeah I don't but... see the bets going on with the spelling bee, and I I think they're missing a trick there. No, they're missing an opportunity. You're right. You're right, and there's all celebrity. Like it's actually very good for the economy, right? Like, if you think about it, Everyone's because Everyone's learning everything, right? Like, because you want to know yeah. the answers. Like, I know a lot about basketball right now, having not touched a ball yeah. in a while, right? Because I've been just, I've been just taking in all the, yeah, uh, all the activities, the play by plays. I've been analyzing defenses mm. recently, VJ. But like, mm. if if I was really into school sports betting, like we should mm-hmm. just rename school. To be sports, right? And to be sports, sports can be some other thing. <laughs> Wait, so so like the, the the notion of like the high school jock changes? Yeah, it's like the nerds. Yeah, 
Yeah, the nerds rule. The nerds have always wanted to rule. Yeah. Just- right, and, and ultimately, ultimately they end up ruling anyway. It's just now we get they get to rule earlier on. They get to rule earlier. I mean, if esports are a thing, BJ, we're like one step yeah. away. If we can make esports work, we can make competitive examinations possible. Oh, I, I really think that there's so many avenues to explore here. Like, you know, that whole notion of the math Olympiad. Oh, man. Right? Like, exactly. Right? Yeah. Actually, and you know what's better about your idea, Karen? And I'm ready to, to pile all in on, on your Thank idea. You. Um, I think what's better about your idea is that it, it's more than, it's just more than one thing. And, it's it's inherently gender neutral, right? Like everybody's just in it and everybody's just trying to do the best they can. Yeah. I, I think it'll be exactly. There's not going to be any issues with like all sorts of sports uh, inequalities, um, like men's base, men's basketball versus women's basketball. I think like the mo- what most well-paid women's basketball player doesn't make as much as like a third string NBA player. Huh. Right. So I mean, there's definitely no. disparities. We might run into yeah. the whole thing that this sport is not exciting enough, and I think we just we just have to make hard it. to believe. Hard to believe. Karen. I know. <laughs> like, can you imagine the commentary? Like when they've got a camera over this kid solving a calculus problem. <laughs> His sweat dripping onto yeah. the. There's sweat dripping. Yeah, the yeah, paper. yeah, yeah. Uh, they've got the shot clock winding down uh, as the kid solving the problem. This would be brilliant. This could be really cool. This would be brilliant, right? Right? Like the shot clocks, and the kid is like really trying to solve this problem quickly, yeah. right? And wow, there's like this unforced error, like, you know, he throws it out of bounds effectively, right? By forgetting to, you know, carry the two. Uh, yeah. You know, um, I'm, I'm assuming this actually, I think this would be great. And I, I think school then becomes like an incredibly competitive arena. Right. Every day that you're learning, um, it's like a, a training. We we would put so much more money into schooling, Vijay. Like look at look at a look yeah. at a professional team, how many layers of coaching yeah. staff they have to, to bring ten players up to the peak of human physical perfection. F- forget forget the forget the professional team. Just look at a high school. Yeah. And you look at the, th- you can see where all the money's spent. All the money's on the All the money's spent team. outside. It's in the bleachers, man. All the money's in the bleachers. <laughs> right? Like, uh, I, I was at our local, actually, no, I was at a high school in, um, Bellevue last week, which is, uh, uh, a pretty affluent area, uh, here in, in the Seattle general region. And, um, we were at a high school there and their track, was so nice. You know, it had that kind of rubbery Ooh, material like on stuff. it, so you get like that the artificial. Yeah, yeah, you get that kind of boing out of it. You know, you feel better running right? on and then that the... stuff. Like I, I don't know if you, you yeah, yeah, go, but yeah. it feels nice running on it. I, I'm actually going to go, I think, and give it give it a run. Um, yeah, get a little spring but... back in your step. You know, when you run on that. Yeah. Um, so imagine all those resources going into into academia right and then you know imagine like the equivalent of the science lab kind of money being spent on sports right you know they probably have one ball between them right you know um 
And I actually think it's bad for society if we do that. I I think so. We're playing this out in India, right? Like in India and China, things are so competitive mm. at the school level. And our Mm. basketball courts are so shit, Vijay. When I go back, I I do see some schools with nice basketball courts. But when Mm. I grew up, we had shitty basketball courts, bad basketballs, right? Like there were, we might've had three basketballs and two of them Mm. were deflated. And one of them was overinflated, had like one of those pokey things on the side. So I don't even want to talk about that. It's funny. But all the money went into the schooling and it's because the competitive examinations were so critical for parents. And Mm. even Mm. furthermore, I think by adding in this element of competitiveness and betting into the American market, um, we could we go past the Indians and the Chinese, like in terms of education. This is what's missing. I, I think you're now. Here's, this is here's how we unite the left and the right, Vijay, around this issue. We 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 unite them behind education yeah. and competitive, competitive education, obviously. Competitive lottery-based sports betting education. Yes. Ah, I I, I think you I think you're on something. Uh, so my question for you is, you, you're generating all this money, yeah, yeah, right? Not just because of the sports income, but because now more people are more educated, right? So therefore, theoretically, our GDP should go GDP up, should right? Go up, yeah. So there should be more money for Social Security then, right? Indirectly? Indirectly. We are making a logical leap that more educated people do produce more. I think that's true, mm. but I also know a lot of educated people who are a drain on society, VJ. I don't know how to yes. use those two. Like, how to reconcile those things. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how to resolve those things. But um, I will say more money for Social Security. I think we should pitch that. I, I don't think we should say no. Um, right. I think you're right. So I, I, I have one more, not just a question, but I think it's a concern with the model. Uh, I, I was not very good at PE. Uh, I was awful at no, it. You don't have to worry about it. Right. But the problem was people who are not very good at PE tend to like do the minimal amount of participation in PE because they kind of give up. Right. So now the question is, would a bunch of kids just feel like education is too overwhelming? And they give up on it? Yes. Or do they? I, but they already give up. They already, they already give, give up. Give up, BJ. We, let, let, Actually, this is much better. At least they've got something inspirational to shoot for now. Right? Everybody, wants to, everybody wants to be like Mike, yeah. right? So, you don't give up on basketball just because, you know, you're bad one year. The people who really want yeah. it will get after it. They'll, they'll win, like, the ninth yeah. grade tournament or whatever it is. Right. See? Um, and the losers... I guess we'll we'll face motivation. The weak will potentially drop out of school entirely. I think yeah. we would have to create some sort of some sort of system for them, BJ. I'm not entirely clear on the, uh, uh, on the mechanism I, there. I, I would argue that education already tends to leave a bunch of people behind anyway because kids get overwhelmed. They don't have the infrastructure and the support they need to be successful anyway. So, so too many kids are getting left behind anyway. I don't know if this results in, I don't think this results in more kids getting left behind because you should be inspiring more kids, right? Like professional athletes inspire many kids to go play sports. Yeah. 
who have no who have no business picking up a ball, right? Uh, so, so now like our pro nerds, right, would would um, uh, would would inspire these kids to to do their best, right, and actually kind of get See, look, get the best they can get out of themselves. The, the, the pro nerds are going to make a lot of money, but I think yeah. the the association, right, wh- whoever's running this. They yeah. use some of that profit to make sure that everyone gets, you know, something for participating. Like oh, we're going to start handing out what? participation trophies again. So I think, I think you should right. get some money for participating, but like the bulk of the money is going to go to winners. Um, like if you if you're like in the equivalent of the G League for education, yeah, yeah, the G League. Right, you're a really good basketball player if you're playing the G League. So we have like an F right, League the... and an X League or something. I don't know. We. Yeah, right. So you you are actually pretty darn useful, right? Like um, one of the things I feel like has changed in society is is you know thirty four years ago you could be done with high school and have a fairly good grasp of like kind of educational basics and go do a decent job, right? In society, like for example. You know, you could go be like a, a draftsman. Yeah. Right. You know, right. And this was like a respectable job, right? You know, um, and so I think, because I think these the people will be more educated. going to love us after this because what if the part, what yeah. if the people who are also rands in the sports, instead of mm. spending all their schooling years learning, you know, working on these advanced subjects and losing, what if like by the third or fourth grade, you've lost enough tournaments? We just send you to trade school, Vijay. You know, I, I here's my concern with that. Like, I feel like the pro trade school gets a bad name. Going to rejoice at such moves. Well, I, I think that's because the pro movement doesn't understand the uh, complexity of the work of tradespeople. Like, do you remember? Ooh. It was you, right, who had a complicated HVAC issue, right? Dude, it was so complicated. I, I, right. I needed to go study for like a week. All the complicated right. schematics just to figure out right. what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, as I think about this anecdote, it it actually does the opposite of supporting my point. Yeah. My point was going to be think about the respect you would have had for that person for solving that complex issue. Except they didn't solve it. Except they didn't, which is kind of problematic. Exactly. I I think there are subjects that are less theoretical, that are more practical oriented, where you actually have to mm, do the mm. thing. And I actually think like mm. those things should be extremely valuable. Like there are not enough people who fix boilers in Seattle. That's just true. There's just, mm. there's not mm. enough of them. And, you know, it causes reliability issues. And like today's society is weird, right? Like you're not, no one is willing to spend however much money it takes to call a, a repairman. They have like some sort of mm, flat mm. rate in their head that they've kind of kept for like a couple years. And so the wages don't go up enough. And like, you know, does it cost $200 for someone to come out and fix your water heater? Uh, you know, probably not, right? Like they're not spending that much on parts or time. But I think their time is valuable if there's only like so many people. What I'm trying to say with mm. Vijay with this is like all these professions are highly valuable. And it just doesn't make sense mm. for us to um, for us to send everyone through the same like freaking system 
Mm-hmm. I sound so, like a so maybe, so maybe, right now. I'm, I'm kind of worried. Okay. Maybe that's our conclusioning thought here. That Kieran, we conclude with, it turns out Kieran is pronatal. I'm a, I'm a part of the problem. I'm a part of the pronatal movement. Mm. Join, join mm. us next time for, for my apology take where I'm like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Well, you might have just, you know, we could have just expanded our audience yet again to, to the pronatal people. So we kind of those people, the MAGA people, we're doing great. We're doing good. We, we you hit know, all the um, demographics. Um, equal opportunity ideas over here. So, so as, as we wrap things up, Karen, I wanted to share something with, uh, with our listeners. And that was, I did an experiment this, uh, I, I did an experiment when I wrote the Substack article, I took the content and I ran it through after I wrote my article, I ran it through chat GPT and I've either posted the version that chat GPT came up with, or I posted my original one. Oh, mysterious. Right. So I'm going to post the other one. And I'm going to ask our listeners if they can guess whether the Substack article was done by ChatGPT or whether it was done by me. And we'll discuss at next week's podcast. Well, you heard it here first, everyone. Uh, Email or comment on the Substack article or tweet at us, whatever you'd like. But let us know which article you think Vijay actually wrote and which one ChatGPT. The answer will surprise you. There you go. Email us at um, one weird thought at gmail.com. And as always, BJ, this was, this was a lot of fun. It was, and, and it was it weird. Was troubling. It was weird, troubling. It and w- I do feel slightly uneasy at the end of it. So yeah, another one. Now, now that we've labeled, now that we've labeled you as Proneo, I, I think don't. we can both rest easy. Okay. All right. Have a good one. Everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.